Hi, welcome to the sixth episode of Geek's Tech Show. It's been a while. I've hosted a podcast. I'm here in Berlin, enjoying the weather. But yes, today I'm back and excited to host Tanmay, who's from Hasura and who's going to tell us more about Hasura GraphQL engine that they recently open sourced. And to tell you about Hasura GraphQL engine, it works more like a backend as a service app that supports live query, subscriptions, and many more exciting features. So I think before we start, Tanmay, can you quickly introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me, Manjula, and hello, everyone. Uh, I am the founder at Hasura, and uh, I've been building things for a long time now. Uh, I think it's been about 10 years that I've been building applications in various different languages and frameworks. Um, most recently, my experience is with uh, Node.js, React, GraphQL, and uh, on the backend side of things, Haskell, Docker, Kubernetes, and of course, Postgres. So um, that, and I'm, uh, I mean, apart from my day job, which takes up 20 hours a day, the rest of the time, I'm fairly <laughs> passionate about uh, talking to people um, and about getting as many people involved in development as possible. Uh, in India, we run one of the largest uh, MOOCs uh, that we used to do for, we started, I think, about two years ago, and we have about 250,000 students. We talk about like the basics of application development and you know the modern style of application development with, uh, with REST APIs, with Node.js and stuff that a lot of people don't uh, have the opportunity to learn uh, early on in their career. So that's that's one of the things that I'm most proud of outside work. But uh, yeah, that's kind of what I've been up to for the last few years. Oh, great. Uh, so Tanmay, how did you start with this company? Can you like tell us a bit of your background? Sure. And Absolutely. So um, I think all of this started about uh, like where I where we are today. Started about four years ago when um, uh, my co-founder Radhushri and I uh, and some of the early members who are still in the team today, <laughs> we kind of wanted to build an application uh, for a food delivery uh, system. We decided that we are going to solve food delivery. Like oh, we are okay. going to solve it once and for all. It'll be done. Okay. And while doing it, we were kind of you know building this, and then we realized Man, this is. Uh, it's it's a solid pain to you know build these things, right? Uh, and there's there's just like so much repeat code that we're writing. And at that time, we came up with this super early version of the GraphQL engine, mm -hmm. where we used to automatically generate uh, JSON and REST APIs on top of Mongo. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And uh, and then we realized, you know what? Maybe maybe we have something here. Mm -hmm. And so what we started doing for the next few years is that uh, you know we started building products for people. Mm -hmm. And uh, we did consulting for people, and then we did, we kind of got into Docker and Kubernetes, and we were very early in the ecosystem, like pre 1.0 Docker, pre 1.0 Kubernetes, um, and you know we were helping people you know migrate and set this up. And I think um, late last, uh, sorry, early last year, uh, you know one of uh, our largest clients was one of the world's largest banks, and we were helping them move from their monoliths into um, you know into microservices and whatnot. Um, and at that time, like the stuff, and in the middle, we had changed our data APIs to instead of working on Mongo, we were working. We started. We switched to Postgres because um, because Postgres is awesome. There's another <laughs> database. <Okay>. But <laughs> no, I mean, but uh, but yeah, yeah, uh, that is that is true. Kind of, <laughs> yes, uh, but uh, that is so. That is kind of, uh, and we made this social Postgres, and you know, the technology had matured a lot, and we deployed this in uh, several different. Um, uh, for several different projects at you know different kinds of scale and um, and then uh, like early uh, last year is when we kind of decided okay you know what uh, we have enough tech to 
take a shot at building a platform uh, and at building this technology out that uh, you know for developers uh, that would make sense mm-hmm. and um, and since then we kind of started working on that and um, we added graphql support mm-hmm. early this year so we still actually support uh, json apis on postgres so we have like our own query language uh, on top of uh, postgres so postgres. it's, it's okay. kind of like the mongo mm-hmm. query language mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and that's we used to compile json into uh, sql and then early this year after the graphql community had kind of blown up and there was such amazing tooling that was coming out mm-hmm. uh, we added support for graphql as well mm-hmm. oh. and uh, that's kind of the engine that we open sourced just a few weeks ago okay okay simple and easy it is to set up for a new project maybe a person who is just not well versed with this terms and graphql um so that's that's exactly the, actually the problem that we've tried to solve um you know making that getting started process as simple as possible so um if you go to the website now and you try to deploy uh it you know with heroku postgres and mm-hmm. get a graphql back and running mm-hmm. that process literally like by the timer takes about 20 seconds i know i've um, tried it so i think i took about 1 minute to do entire thing and it was like very quick so yeah and and and, and that's exactly like and that's what we optimized for right we said that you know postgres has already done a lot of work at making it easy to do data modeling right um and so what we want to do is kind of automate the process of the creation of the graphql server itself mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that you're not spending time there um and you get that graphql back and running and then you only kind of learn you only have to learn how the graphql syntax itself works mm-hmm. but once you have that running on the database um, you know you have all the time in the world to kind of gradually learn the graphql syntax directives fragments Got it, query got variables, different kinds of mutations, right. um, and but you have that backend running that you can work with. <laughs> so for a for a new project, it's it's super fast to kind of uh, you know get started with uh, with GraphQL. Okay, cool. Uh, could you also tell us some features about your GraphQL engine? Absolutely. So um, one of the um, like one of the things that uh, the, the core feature that the GraphQL engine has is actually just one. and that one single feature is that we uh, well well actually two but like the one core feature that kind of makes it possible for us to do all the other features is that we actually compile graphql to sql yeah. um and this is a very different approach to you know building a graphql backend which where the usual approach uh, you know outside of the behemoths like facebook who have a very different approach of right. you know how they build a graphql backend uh, where they actually generate it from their php code you know they don't ever write a graphql schema um or resolvers and stuff man and i think it solves But, a uh, lot of problem here you guys are trying exactly. to fix yeah yeah and 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 because we compile graphql to sql um what we end up exposing as this feature set on graphql mm-hmm. is actually very similar to the feature set that postgres itself has ah, okay. so whatever postgres features you think uh you can use mm-hmm. uh, you can probably use with hasura's graphql Hasura. engine so you know if you think about like uh, bulk updates or mm-hmm. bulk deletes or mm-hmm. conditional updates or mm-hmm. you know i want to increment a value mm-hmm. uh instead of you know i don't want to set a value but i want to increment mm-hmm. the value um or you want to do a transactional mutation where i want to have one mutation where i'm doing five six different things uh but you know the whole thing is a transaction mm-hmm. um because these things are things that postgres lets you do right. and so we kind of expose those features on top of postgres so all of our uh data uh, uh, api featureness right all of the crud featureness is actually just the postgres featureness that we're exposing so everything from postgres locations 
um, to you know views and materialized views that make it super fast uh, to do you know uh, stuff on you know data aggregations on okay. large pieces of data or to cache data with materialized views think things that postgres does really well um we kind of just expose that over graphql so that's kind of one where most of the features come from and the other of course is the application layer the authentication side of things mm-hmm. um th- that that those are the other uh, feature sets so so you guys also support authentication right like could you highlight Absolutely. some data points there um so so authentication is a fairly um complicated correct uh, beast right yeah. Yeah, because and and i think different people have taken different approaches to it so right um and and if you look at it like in the because hasura graphql engine is kind of like a back end of the service right right um and and um, and so so there are many different ways of looking at this i think one way that emerged a few years ago with the postgres folks and and then what became postgraphql and postgraphile mm-hmm. was to do the authentication inside postgres itself um and so because postgres itself has a notion of users uh and um, and you can kind of do access control inside postgres itself right um and that is one approach um and the other approach is that you don't do any access control and you know you put all of that in some kind of application layer that you still have to write mm-hmm. um what we've taken is kind of the middle approach where we said that a lot of the data access controls uh can actually easily be embedded but not in the database so oh, okay. what we do is we say that you know you can have uh, the graphql engine whatever tables and views and stuff that you are exposing uh, for you know all the different kinds of operations you can kind of specify rules um, as metadata mm-hmm. to the graphql engine and this doesn't have to touch the database uh, oh. so you can say things like you know for this document if i'm an editor allow me to view only the nine columns out of the 100 columns and only allow me to view it if i am one of the editors in the document.editors table and let's say that's your permission rule that you're creating mm-hmm. uh what we do is we basically keep that rule in the engine and then whenever a query comes in mm-hmm. we add we add that rule to the compiled sql so it's almost as if your compiled sql that is going out to fetching the data automatically has the right uh you know access control clauses the right where clause that ensures that you can only access the right slice of data right. um and that's kind of how we do authentication the the variables that are required for doing the authentication like for example you know the user id mm-hmm. the organization id mm-hmm. or maybe you want to do authentication based on the app id mm-hmm. like if it's a mobile app then i see a different graphql schema mm-hmm. um, but if i have a desktop app i see a different graphql schema mm-hmm. so um for these these variables uh, they are passed dynamically to graphql engine okay. so either with a json web token or we can uh, take a web hook to your session cache mm-hmm. so you can give us a web hook to your session cache so that whenever we get the authorization token or whenever hasura graphql engine will get the authorization token uh, the graphql engine will take that authorization token and ask your cache and say hey this is the token that i have you know what are the session variables associated with this user Uh-huh. and so your cache will respond and say hey this is a user id 1 2 this is the role manager or this user has roles manager editor driver whatever um and this uh, has the organization id 22 so you get these variables and then we inject these variables in the sql query oh, okay. so so that's kind of how we do um, authentication so everything is done done just outside the database no need to touch the database and everything is exactly done. exactly so and 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 that's why we've seen a lot of success with mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, adoption even in for legacy databases where you can't actually touch the database too much yeah, right yeah, yeah, yeah. um a because of the approach that we have of just taking that existing database and exposing it over graphql 
mm-hmm. but also now because you can easily integrate with your existing authentication method because you have LDAP and SSO and you know all these right. ridiculous things that developers don't use usually right. um, but you can kind of integrate with this very easily mm-hmm. is everything is at the graphql engine layer and not at the database layer so all these rules are like uh, written at, at a global level somewhere in one of the files or like how do you uh, where do you uh, put all these rules right so what happens is that so we give uh, we give you a ui and mm-hmm. you can kind of create these rules on a ui and ah, these okay, uis okay. are like uh, so it's like a when you're creating this rule you have a nice kind of it's like an admin it. panel it's like an admin panel and mm-hmm. you can create the right rules and it'll ensure that there is type safety and you can do you can do allow if rules deny if rules so you can create fairly complicated rules you can say allow if a or b or c deny if a or b or c mm-hmm. um and so you have a gui to do this and that works at least when you're getting started right. um but actually where these rules are being stored is in a special uh, postgres schema that has nothing to do with your database um oh. it's kind of just like to ensure that graphql engine is stateless and is just storing its state uh, somewhere so we store that in postgres mm-hmm. um but if you want to kind of manage these rules you know directly from the command line or put mm-hmm. them in version control mm-hmm. or have a ci cd system around it mm-hmm. um then we actually have a migration system where you can actually instead of using the ui mm-hmm. you can actually write these rules in a file um and then you Got can it. keep applying this file uh, to the whenever needed uh, to the graphql engine yeah ah, okay, whenever okay. needed whenever okay. like you're going from staging to production That's so you can do all your gui work on you know staging mm-hmm. or during development mm-hmm. and then um, this file will get auto generated for you and then in production you just have to say migration apply and the rules will kind of get applied in the production server so that you don't have to go point and click uh, in the production server amazing <laughs> okay and that how would you compare so there's like prisma there's apollo how do you compare hasara with apollo and prisma um i think yeah it's a i think everybody is in a similar space so it's kind of hard to uh, comment but mm-hmm. um there are a few very clear differences i think uh, one is that for example um, in the prisma case things are driven from the um Uh, things are driven from the sdl <laughs> so from the graphql sdl you kind of define your data models right. and then prisma applies it for you on the database <laughs> um whereas we take a slightly different approach where we say hey you do stuff on the database first <laughs> and we'll generate the graphql schema for you right so it's kind of i mean the end result will you know almost be equivalent <laughs> but the subtle differences are that um we are more database first so you know if you want to do indexes multi column foreign keys mm-hmm. you want to do relationships without foreign keys mm-hmm. you want to do views materialized views you know postgres types all of that you can do with your normal postgres tooling and you never need to overload the sdl syntax itself um because what you have to do with the prisma style is that you kind of have to overload the graphql sdl by adding the directives for you know how to create an index or right. how to do multi column indexes and stuff like that mm-hmm. um but we don't want to pollute that because you know that's another learning curve that's another new tool that you have to learn learn yeah um and so that's a that's a different approach um and the other different the other um, and and so that that approach becomes important you know maybe in different scenarios like if if you're at scale where the postgres database is managed by somebody else you know not by you um they will need direct control on postgres so we are more optimized for that kind of a use case um but the other big difference is that um, that um, the current solutions today where you are talking to a database they they all take the resolver approach to the backend 
um, and which means that they suffer from some variation of the n plus one query problem. Um, uh, but what we do is we kind of compile GraphQL to SQL, and because of that, the performance that we have is a you know completely different order of magnitude uh, compared to what you might even handwrite or uh, or what you will get with something like Prisma because it's intended to be a generic layer, mm -hmm. uh, like an ORM layer. So right. this is what we are doing is not ORM. Uh, what Prisma is doing is is like an ORM. So it's kind mm -hmm. of replacing maybe the uh, like SQL Alchemy or or something like that in your stack that you would have used. Mm -hmm. That is being replaced by Prisma. Uh, whereas in our case, it's more like a GraphQL backend as a service that you're getting, uh, which is you know ready to. You can either do schema stitching, you know, with Apollo tools, or you can directly expose that to your clients. Also, it's safe and performant enough for doing that. Mm -hmm. um, and so that means that complex queries, uh, you know, you can we can actually support like about a few thousand requests per second, even for nested queries, uh, not even crossing 50, 60 MB of RAM. Um, and uh, that 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 performance characteristic for us, even for like really complicated queries, is possible because of the kind of approach that we take. So those are the two big differences um, between that approach. But uh, but I think it's early days. Like everybody's evolving and learning from each other. So you know, let's see where it goes. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. So do, do you do you guys also support migrations? Yeah. So so that's the so the migrations that. So when you, so we actually have this uh, it's a tool that we worked really hard on, like it took us a lot of time to build. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and we, we're trying to also launch this as another open source tool for generic Postgres, mm -hmm. which is that um, the UI that you actually use for, you know, building your schema, um, your Postgres schema, or, you know, adding the permission rules and stuff like that, that UI, um, it actually can also run on localhost. So you can actually run that UI from the command line. So you can do something like Hasura console mm -hmm. and it will open up the UI. And as you point and click on the UI, it actually generates migration files on the local file system. So, so what's happening is that, you know, I created a table, I added some foreign keys that's actually created a migration file. You know, it's, and we, we've taken a lot of inspiration from the Rails migration system where um, you have these change sets, like the changes from the previous from the previous state to the new state, what were the changes? Okay, new table was added, some columns were changed, mm -hmm. some new permissions were added. And we create that file for you on the file system. Oh. And, uh, and once that file is created for you on the file system, I mean, everything works, right? Like version right. control, right. CICD, right. whatever you want right. to do. Right. Like it's, the secret is to get it into a file like to remove it from the UI and to get it into a file. Mm -hmm. And so kind of trying to make that UI work in sync with that, with the with the local file system is something we've spent a lot of time doing. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, it works fairly well. Like even if you do arbitrary SQL stuff, even if you do a data migration, like, you know, sometimes you have these complicated migrations where you're changing the type of a column. Mm -hmm. uh, and these, these migrations are never easy to do. Mm -hmm. Like changing the type of a column is a nightmare. Um, and you, we actually make that process easy. Like you can do you can do arbitrary SQL stuff where you create a new column, you you run an SQL command to you know copy the data from the old column into the new column by safely changing the type, then deleting the old column. And so migration can be as complicated as that, uh, which you know you can do very easily on the UI. Use SQL, use whatever, and it'll nicely spit out a um, file for you. And then you can just apply this file in production. Oh. So. That's the that's the approach that we've taken for uh, database migration. So it's very like Rails inspired, I think. <laughs> so nice. Uh, could you also tell me about 
a bit of architecture and what were the things that you guys have done at the performance level absolutely so um so so like i was saying like we basically compile graphql to sql which is essentially what the so essentially our service is like a web server uh, which is fronting a compiler and um, what we what we've done is we've leveraged a lot of very interesting things uh, to make um, query execution very fast and and i think a few examples that uh, that that are things that people can actually use in their applications today you know with or without hasura a few very interesting ideas um one is uh, something called prepared statements that postgres supports so oh. um, I'm, i'm sure you're familiar with postgres yeah 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 yeah. GraphQL, yeah yeah right yeah. so persistent queries in graphql is actually or uh, seems to be an idea that is inspired from prepared statements in databases right so it's exactly the same idea in a database so you take a you know you have a sql query um and instead of processing that sql query again and again you just tell the database hey, you know can you cache this query for me mm-hmm. and in this query i'll only change a few variables like i might change the limit or offset for pagination or i might change the user id equal to uh, you know the parameter so i'll i'll have a few parameters mm-hmm. but otherwise this is the sql query that i'll be using mm-hmm. and now next time when your backend has to query the database you actually just quote that query so you either take the query name or the query hash or you have some unique identifier for the query mm-hmm. and then you just tell the database hey i'm querying for query number 1 mm-hmm. and these are the dynamic variables got it Got and it. then postgres will execute that you know super fast for you because it's already planned out the entire query right um and in fact if you have good postgres caching enabled then you know even uh, the same query happening again and again the results are also cached and it's much faster so we take that idea and we couple that with the graphql query variables idea so when you are actually querying hasura graphql engine with the query with query variables you know, we are not even we're not even processing the query we know that we've seen this query uh, we have uh, the query cached we don't even bother compiling it to sql because we know what the postgres query id is and we just take the dynamic query variables and we just send it we just send those dynamic query variables and the authentication variables we just take those variables and we send it to postgres so that uh, execution is is very very fast you're right um, and um, even for small queries and large queries like you'd notice like a 2 to 6x benefit um without using if you didn't use prepared statements so so, so i we, have a question yeah sorry sorry uh, yeah so if say i change a query and uh, so the or my query will always have a mapping towards one hash thing correct and now correct, correct. so let, let's say if i change this query does my hash also change if you change this query does your yes exactly your query changes also if you if you change the hash so unless you're using query variables got it got it got it okay okay yeah right mm-hmm. so if you're using query variables then the query doesn't change right okay. only the query variables part is changed. right 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 yeah yeah obviously but if you're making then, unique queries every time then yeah obviously then it has to be a much faster because it's just the processing uh, at the database exactly. end exactly correct correct exactly right so you we're just beaming the variables straight to the back Mm-hmm. um one of the other things that we do um, that is also a huge speed up is uh, and this is this is actually very common and um like a common thing that a few people with advanced postgres knowledge do um what you so postgres has something called json aggregations so I, i'm sure you know that postgres has support for json columns right, right? like you right. can do schemaless data and yeah, right right um but postgres also has something called json aggregations and mm-hmm. here the idea is that uh, like let's say you were writing a back end mm-hmm. uh, i was the front end and you were the back end and you have a database mm-hmm. so if i ask you 
ఫ్రీక్వెంటీ after that you will convert these this this java object or python object or node js object into json and then you will send the json to me <laughs> so if you think about it from a byte processing point of view if the database give you n bytes you have to do order n processing to load it into your language runtime right. and then you have to do order n processing to convert that again into json json so there's like so this 2n order 2n time that you're always spending for every response right um what we do is once we get the query and we execute the sql um in the sql we also tell postgres hey postgres can you json aggregate the response for me can you convert that response into what the final uh, document needs to look like got it got and it and can you do it inside the database <laughs> so then so then the so then postgres kinds of kind of serializes it for you <laughs> uh and now we just beam that straight to the client you know we don't do we don't touch the response because we've already taken care of the authentication and the access control at the uh you know at the query processing layer we don't need to touch the response and this is also a huge uh, performance benefit right. so so apart from the compilation approach itself which avoids the n plus 1 query problem we also do these uh, cool little postgres hacks to make sure that uh, you know with postgres the performance is really really good You guys are doing a lot of amazing stuff I must say seriously I mean years of helping people have finally taken some fruit <laughs> Yeah so Okay so you guys have also launched a recently GraphQL URL that's the CLI yeah. tool GraphQL. for GraphQL so yeah. correct How do you spell it sorry Uh, we 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 call it graph curl like you know ah. like curl curl is the command line tool for got it got it <laughs> and so you have graph curl so, um so so yeah so i i mean one of the things that we i just recently added to the graphql engine is live queries and subscriptions mm-hmm. um so you can convert any postgres database into like a firebase um so you can kind of create any live query and then you can make a live query on the database and then you know anything changes the database like uh, you might have some background jobs that changes data in the database you might have your existing legacy code that is changing data in the database mm-hmm. you'll get the response uh, one of the problems that we were noticing with subscriptions is the tooling around subscriptions isn't great for clients yet right you're um, right and you know like we we had we wanted to do lots of benchmarks and tests so you know we wanted to test with 100000 concurrent subscribers mm-hmm. and uh, and it's not possible to test that from a single machine mm-hmm. right so you need to you need to test this from so what we do for a test suite is that we test it from like various aws like lambdas that we run mm-hmm. so we run these long running lambdas and each lambda makes a subscription connection to the database to to the graphql engine and then we benchmark performance and delays and whatnot so while we were doing this we you know we realized that we need a tool to uh, you know quickly test out if graphql engine queries are working from the cli and we need to automate it and uh, and this tooling wasn't there so so we kind of made uh, you know graph curl which is like a simple uh, it's a very very simple tool um it you basically just uh, do something like graph curl like you do gq mm-hmm. space graphql endpoint uh and then you press enter and then it automatically does schema introspection so you get tab like autocomplete 
for ah, your graph okay, okay 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 so yeah. you can do so you do sub tab it mm-hmm. auto completes a subscription mm-hmm. then tab curly bracket tab okay you have a profile node or whatever so you you kind of get tab auto completion for that query oh, okay. um and then and then you kind of hit enter and it makes that query for you and it opens up a web socket uh and you can do subscriptions you can also do queries and mutations of course mm-hmm. um and 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 this tool because it's um, you know it's a node js uh, it's written with node js you can also just do npm uh npm install and then include it in your node js code also mm-hmm. um so that also ends up uh, ends up working fairly easily for you know doing this kind of subscription based testing mm-hmm. from your node js code and what not so uh, and then once we were once we built this you know we realized hey you know what uh, let's make this a little more useful by adding graphical also to it mm-hmm. so um so now if you do graph curl minus i mm-hmm. it just pops up a graphical window for you oh okay because okay. uh because a lot of times people are just like hey you know where's graphical i want mm-hmm. graphical mm-hmm. um i because you can't run graphical on your production backend right mm-hmm. right um, or you might not want to you mm-hmm. you might run it but you might forget to comment it out during production or mm-hmm. you have, you have to have a feature flag so that random people can't look at your schema right right um and so now we kind of just embed it in, inside the cli tool so that you know you can just pop up graphical with any schema with any graphical endpoint just use graphical right out um, that works well so so that's something that we just launched here two days ago nice so let me ask you so any what are your future plans like so i think right now we're just like listening to our users uh, you know over the last few days uh, because like the reception has been great Mm-hmm. and we just like like all hands on deck we just com- like listening to people we are actually making about one or two releases per day um and we've gotten our release pipeline done really well so like if you want if you submit a pr on the graphql engine repo mm-hmm. uh, we actually generate a heroku app for you that oh. has that oh okay so so you you don't even have to build locally so you want to try something out that's uh, amazing you know, you, yeah so you want to fix something you know you just submit a pr within a few minutes you'll get a heroku app and a docker image mm-hmm. uh, and you can you know try this out uh, uh, see if it fixes your bug you know try you don't even have to wait for us to land that feature if you kind of want to try it out so that's kind of mo- what most of the work has been uh, you know just optimizing that pipeline making sure that we're taking in as much input from people as possible um we're we're responding very very quickly to uh, users and kind of issues that they find or feature enhancements that they want um and and the pipeline is just very optimized for adding those features quickly um going forward what we're looking at one of the big things that we're adding um that uh, that has again been a lot of engineering work is the the same technology that we use for doing live queries and subscriptions um uh, we're using that to trigger uh, webhooks and eventually to trigger uh, serverless functions so the idea is that you know um, you can basically uh, crud on the you can crud on the database which can trigger asynchronous business logic for you mm-hmm. and uh, you know by and we we we've put in a lot of effort into making sure that we don't drop events um it's reliable it scales a lot we have a lot of retry logic that you can configure like retry once retry infinite times retry five times um and so we had a fairly popular open source tool on postgres called uh, score skr that we launched a few months ago i know about so it's kind it. of like yeah so it's we kind of integrating that into graphql engine itself mm-hmm. because uh, because a lot of use cases you know that would make very simple like things like user register send an email mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. or uh, you have some long running logic like uh, place an order you want to assign a delivery person mm-hmm. and that could be that could be logic that takes some time to run mm-hmm. uh, and coupled with live queries 
and this asynchronous this this you know this whole system works really well because from the ui i just make a mutation to insert the order and then i just make a live query to fetch the order mm-hmm. and see whatever is changing about the order and asynchronously some three four functions can execute and you know code can run and eventually whenever they update the database um you know i get a nice real time update on my ui saying that oh, okay order payment done validation done mm-hmm. uh, delivery person has been assigned so um so that's that's some of the that's what we're working on right now um, within the short term and uh, eventually over the next few months we'll uh, we'll also start supporting other databases uh, we have a compilation target right now that is postgres but eventually we'll have support for mysql ms sql oracle all these uh, legacy databases that nobody wants to touch so nice. <laughs> that's the yeah that's the that's the plan over the next 6 uh, months to a year so uh, do you also see yourself like growing in terms of community so absolutely like that's it we've just taken our first steps a few weeks ago mm-hmm. and uh, and we're trying to like i mean like thank i mean thank you especially a lot for you know hosting this for us but like this is the kind of stuff that we need to do and kind of people that we need to work with to ensure that we can kind of get the word out and uh, have people uh, you know come in uh, ask for things that they want contribute into the platform itself uh, you know uh, either on the cli tooling or on the ui tooling or on the backend server itself mm-hmm. so we could kind of are gradually building that community it's a little it's initial steps for us mm-hmm. so um, it's very nascent but um, is but like especially from uh, i think in in india especially uh, where where most of our team is based um it's it's like open source tech is a very new thing right you know open source technology is not uh, yeah open source technology especially as a company you know not as a side project that flipkart has i get uh, it flipkart is an e-commerce giant in india like flipkart has launched and said hey you know we have this little open source project try it out um it's an open source tech company is a very new concept in india and kind of getting those early contributors in uh, and kind of involving the community is going to be super important for us as something that we're very excited about um and uh, that that's we're, we're making we're making slow steps and initial steps and in kind of learning how to do that but uh, but yeah people like you if we have people like you advising us and helping us along the way i think we should be fine i am happy to help so it's like always hasura 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah that 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 is that is super helpful i and i think a lot of people in india also are now getting to that you know place from the they are doing their work and job but they still want to contribute to open source stuff exactly and uh, and that's that's been a very like that's been a recent trend right and it's been very yeah. very nice that this is happening it's not uh, uh it's a little unfortunate that this is not very common in india given that mm-hmm. i don't know i think i think we are now the largest number of software engineers in the world or i think i think we're maybe just behind the us but uh, but india is the largest number of software engineers in the world right or the second largest that's huge yeah. and if you look at the amount of open source tech coming out of india it's like what wait i can't even i don't i don't yeah, see yeah because anything. because if you if you see all indians are like either going to you know exactly. they're running out like, of india yeah or... like this person i know called manjula dubey who's in berlin <laughs> right instead of being in india exactly <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i think the last one would be a very i don't know should i ask ask it or not <laughs> go for it yeah absolutely 
So I, I, I was like very curious about this Hasura logo, like what it symbolizes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I kind of, it, it's a question that we get. I, I kind of feel it's either a giant that represents a giant. So Asura is like a, a Sanskrit in the, like Hindi word for a demon. Ah, but okay. uh, but in the so that so asura is like um, like you have like you have gods and demons um in uh, in in a lot of mythologies in in the in the in in the kind of indian mythology or the older hindu mythology that asura used to be asura was a demon mm-hmm. and 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 this is important like demons are not evil like demons are just they are just another they like they like they're also divine beings and i think this is important to understand because we meet a lot of people and they're like, what, your logo is a demon? That's not cool. Uh, it's not, so it's, it's, these demons are actually, like, if you look at a lot of uh, Southeast Asian temples or houses mm-hmm. or even trucks, right? Like, mm-hmm. if, if you look at vehicles, right. you'll see these demon faces everywhere. Right. And these demons are actually protecting you from evil. Um, so they, the, these are good demons. These are good demons, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> these are like badass demons that are helping you out. So, like, you know, keeping our code clean. You know, doing the CI/CD for us, like that kind of demon. Got it. So, uh, and we were punning on, um, like, are you familiar with like DAE, MONS, like background processes? Like yeah, 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 yeah. So that's why we decided like Asura Demon is a good pun. And <laughs> that, uh, a lot nice. of our backend code is in Haskell. So we said H Asura. That's, uh, that's nice. That's kind of where the logo and the name comes from. Now I get it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we have a little lambda icon also on the necklace. And we use this lambda icon quite frequently because ah, because of Haskell yes, and yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, okay. because of the functional nature of like even with the serverless and the live query stuff that we're doing, and the fact that we're using functional programming in a big way. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a tribute to that. Ah, okay. Now I get it. Okay, so I think uh, we're almost done. And like, thanks to you for taking out time. And uh, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Okay. Thank you so much, Tanmay. Absolutely, Manjula. Pleasure. And uh, look forward to seeing you in India and seeing you around the world somewhere. Yeah, yeah, sure.